just periodically throughout the day, I'll just do a mindful self check-in, which entails asking myself rapid fire questions like, am I breathing? Am I thirsty? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I doing? Am I hunched over? Because you know I'm sitting at my desk most of the day and getting hunched over. I sit up straight immediately. I drink some water. I start breathing. And then checking in with what you're thinking and feeling also helps put things in perspective to know what you're giving your attention to and if it's worthwhile to. If you're constantly giving your, if you find yourself constantly giving your attention to certain things that don't need that much attention or shouldn't have that much attention, you're mindful to then shift your mindset. So I use that psychological framework called it's RWID, relative weight of importance and duration, to really identify what you're giving a lot of weight to, a lot of importance to, and for how long. And then deciding if that is indeed what you want to be doing and giving that, whether it's a thought or feeling that much weight and importance. And so the mindful self-check-in allows me to just put things in perspective and kind of self-correct if need be. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Hey friend, I want to know when the last time was that you paused? Just this morning when I did my morning meditation, which is my non-negotiable. Every single day I start my morning with 20 minutes of meditation. So that is a beautiful, juicy, lovely pause that I start my day with. Yes, I loved that you jumped in with your answer. I was actually wanting to know from the podcast listener. So podcast listener, I want you to think, no, this that was perfect because you're inspiring. Like, because I was thinking about it. I was like, when was the last time that I paused? And I think the last time that I paused, I mean, I really don't know. Because I could really? say a stoplight this morning, but I was still like texting my ex-husband to let him know that, I, that our kid was at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sleep does not count as pause. Or does it? What do you think? It could. It, it is a pause because you need that time to recover and rest. I feel like the pause is something that you do for yourself and sleep is so essential for your daily pause as well because you're recovering, you're rebooting. And so it could, yeah, it could very well count as a pause. It's a longer pause that you have to take every night. Some people don't do that and they sacrifice their sleep and minimize their time sleeping, which is not good for your health or well-being. I know that firsthand. And I guys in 2008, I wound up in the mental hospital due to sleep deprivation. Oh my goodness. I, I'm not embarrassed to share that. I used to be because I thought that people would think I was crazy if I said that I had been in you know, I had a very expensive stay in a mental hospital. Mm. But friends, listeners, please do not do that to yourself. For the cost of a six-day stay in a less than ideal mental hospital, I mean, you're talking concrete walls, cold floors, and communal showers, okay? You could go on a month-long five-star vacation. <laughs> Absolutely. Do yourself a favor and... Stop working 
that's a lot easier said than done. I mean, I'm my husband's in the room right now and I, I can almost hear him thinking, you still work too much. <laughs> but I didn't learn my lesson that time because I didn't put two and two together. I didn't put sleep deprivation in the way that I was depressed and, and anxious together at that point. The doctors had seen that there was something wrong with my, or that my thyroid levels were way off. So I pointed it there. But if you fast forward eight years, 2016, I went through another major sleep deprivation, burnout, anxiety, and depression like cycle. Thankfully, this one did not involve another mental hospital stay. But finally, it clicked like I need to sleep. And while I can't say that every single night I've gotten as much sleep as I can, like I, I sleep is now important to me. But the pause and the breathe and the choose is still something that I'm learning. Like even back in 2000, I think 17, a podcast guest, Christina Miller, she asked me, Kim, when was the last time that you sat still and you listened? Mm-hmm. And my answer to her was never. <laughs> wow. <laughs> never. And she said, you need to do that. Mm-hmm. When did you learn to pause or has it always been part of your being? It definitely wasn't always part of my being. I had to learn the hard way when I found myself really stressed on the verge of burnout in very high paced, fast environments that I was working in tech startups and at Apple, at AstraZeneca, Yahoo, all companies from, you know, small startup to large company where employee well-being and corporate wellness was not common back then. And there weren't the tools and strategies to support employees. And I was really stressed at times. And then later on, I realized that there is a very huge benefit and advantage to taking a pause. I got into yoga and then meditation, and those were my pauses. That was my medicine in terms of healing my stresses, healing, you know, all the anxiety and just the the go, go, go on the go, be on, on your toes at all times mindset and just really taking a breather and pausing and breathing into any stress that I may be having. And I learned that through my yoga meditation practice. Having been through the corporate lifestyle, I mean, when I was in 2008, when I had the little mini breakdown, I was an interior architect designing schools all throughout Ohio. And any one point I had like over a dozen different schools I was working on and it was really hard. I mean, I couldn't keep up and I didn't really have support within the company. Mm-hmm. They were implementing a corporate wellness program, but they were focusing on weight, like exercise and fitness of their employees. And I think that was due to the health insurance premiums. And I'm just making an assumption there. Mm-hmm. There wasn't enough focus on the mental well-being of employees. Have you seen any type of shift in the mental well-being awareness amongst corporations? Most recently, yes. Right previously, right before COVID, it started becoming more common to hear about how employers wanted to support mental health of their employees. But then now during COVID, it has skyrocketed. It is actually the number one biggest concern in terms of employee well-being is mental health right now. I mean, the fitness and weight and obesity, all that has kind of gone on the back burner due to COVID because mental health is so 
prevalent mental illness and like having people be so just stressed and overwhelmed and experiencing anxiety and and chronic stress now that we've been in this pandemic for, you know, now over a year, it just makes sense to highlight and prioritize mental health amongst anything else at this point. Naz, I'm so sorry. I haven't done a proper introduction. Listeners, you know, this is positive productivity. Positive productivity does not mean perfection. I love that we dug right, like we jumped right in to <laughs> all the good juicy stuff. But would you take a, a quick moment to introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. So I am an executive wellness coach and speaker and CEO of Pranana is a company that provides corporate wellness solutions for improving leadership effectiveness, employee engagement, and well-being, as well as company culture. And I'm also a Forbes contributor. I love it. Okay, going back to the changes that have come out of COVID, how have you seen people being willing to discuss their mental state and struggles that they're having? Have you seen people being more willing now? Has COVID been a facilitator? Because I see both positive and negative coming out of 2020. And I feel like that is definitely a positive that people are more open to discuss their challenges. Definitely so, because I think people feel that they're not the only ones, right? There is some sort of union everyone is experiencing, or I shouldn't say everyone, but many, many, many people are experiencing, you know, stress, overwhelm, anxiety, depression. I mean, so many people are feeling similar in this state rather than people experiencing and feeling alone. So there's some sort of collective union in terms of experiencing struggles and challenges with this pandemic. And so people are more open to talk about it, but there still seems to be somewhat, unfortunately, with some there is a still a stigma around it, which I don't know why or, yeah, I just, I, I'm at a loss for words when it comes to that because it's so unbelievably important to be open and get the support you need instead of trying to hide and think that, you know, there's something wrong with you because there isn't, you just need support. And without getting that support, it can be very traumatic, the consequences of not getting the help you need. Absolutely. Back in uh, 2015 or 2016, and I feel really bad admitting this, but my stepdaughter was living with us for a short time and she was dealing with anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking that it was an imaginary thing, that it was something that she should just be able to snap her fingers and change her attitude and be able to not be in that state. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, that had to be 2015. Within 2000 or within a year, I started experiencing major anxiety myself, and I felt so guilty mm-hmm. for thinking that way. And maybe even I don't remember. Maybe the selective forgetfulness. I don't remember if I ever said it to her, but I felt bad for having felt that way because I realized it wasn't something I ju- could just snap my fingers. But that was also in the midst of me not sleeping. Not sleeping and anxiety yeah. go hand in hand for me, at least. Oh yeah. And then there are still days when I'll find myself, whether it's when I'm in a clubhouse room or if I'm writing an email or in the middle of working on somebody's project where I'll find myself, my shoulders are up to my ears and I'll realize that I've been holding my breath for who knows how long. Wait, I'm dizzy? Why am I dizzy? Oh, you're not breathing. 
Right. Exactly. Right. So I actually have this thing I practice. I do daily sporadically throughout the day that could help you actually with that. And it's, I call them mindful self check-ins. And so just periodically throughout the day, I'll just do a mindful self check-in, which entails asking myself rapid fire questions like, am I breathing? Am I thirsty? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I doing? Am I hunched over? Because you know I'm sitting at my desk most of the day and getting hunched over. I sit up straight immediately. I drink some water. I start breathing. And then checking in with what you're thinking and feeling also helps put things in perspective to know what you're giving your attention to and if it's worthwhile too. If you're constantly giving your, if you find yourself constantly giving your attention to certain things that don't need that much attention or shouldn't have that much attention, you're mindful to then shift your mindset. So I use that psychological framework called, it's RWID, Relative Weight of Importance and Duration, to really identify what you're giving a lot of weight to, a lot of importance to, and for how long. And then deciding if that is indeed what you want to be doing and giving that, whether it's a thought or feeling that much weight and importance. And so the mindful self-check-in allows me to just put things in perspective and kind of self-correct if need be. Ooh, I really like that. And this week, the theme of my week has been less is more. Mm -hmm. How can I stop focusing? And this has been my internal question, which I'm working on. I don't want to be everywhere because when I try to be everywhere, I'm not anywhere, you know, like on social media. So how can I cut it down to the bare minimum to produce the maximum results? And then along with that, oh, I just had a brain fart. That happens because I got so excited about what you were saying. (laughs) I was, okay, I'm going to have to come back to what I was thinking, but I actually, let me just take a quick pause. Listeners, I want you to pause. I'm going to gather my thoughts. Oh, I remember what I was going to ask. When did the idea for your book, Pause, Breathe, Choose, come into play? And was was it already in the mid? Were you already in the midst of writing it when COVID came about? Oh, yes. This was a long time coming, this book. So the inspiration behind the book came from my first boss, a mentor, Steve Jobs. And he appeared in a dream that I had back in February of 2014. And he appeared in my dream and told me that I needed to write a book about how my first job at Apple impacted my career and the rest of my life. And so it was a very vivid dream. I've only seen faces three times in my dream in my entire life. And they were of people very dear to me who had recently passed away. One of them being my beloved grandfather and my mom's best friend who I grew up with. And then third was Steve Jobs. And it was two years after he had passed. And so I really took it as a sign to begin writing. And I did the very next day. And that was back in 2014. And then I wrote the book within a year, spent you know a lot of time editing, a year editing, and then just kind of put it on the back burner for a while till I got an agent and a publisher. And then it just all came to be more recently. But this was written back in 2014, 2015. I love divine timing. Yeah. It, it couldn't have been a better timing, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go back to the mental wellness 
focus within um, companies as opposed to the physical wellness, I noticed at the beginning, and this was even pre-COVID, probably last February or March 2020, I said to a friend, I said, I feel like my stress has an appetite. I said, I'm I'm barely eating, but I'm, gr- I'm gaining weight. Mm. And she said, well, stress does that. Mm-hmm. It's cortisol. I think that's the right yes. hormone or whatever. That's the hormone, yes. And you're going to gain weight when you're stressed because the cortisol is is wreaking havoc on your body. Right. So maybe I should do something about that. <laughs> and it's interesting how it all plays together. I, I mean, we I've had family members who have had heart attacks and other illnesses. And I always assumed it was due to poor diet and lack of exercise. But when I reflect further, I realize these people that I love went through huge quantities of stress throughout their lives. Mm -hmm. My grandfather had ongoing heart conditions forever, but he also, he dropped out of high school during the depression so he could support his family. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And it's no wonder, like, and that was the 20s. I mean, he started having kids in the 40s. There were wars in there, you know, five children that he and my grandma had. I'm sure his stress never decreased much. And it wasn't anything that was talked about. I mean, back in the 80s and 90s, when I was growing up as a child and teenager, mental health was never talked about. No, not at all. That's when it was really stigmatized. It has come a long way. So at least there's been progress since then. And, you know, and it also depends on cultures, two different cultures, like in some cultures, stigmatize it more than others. But I think in the United States, it's less stigmatized than other cultures. And I think we have definitely come a long way. I just think it shouldn't be stigmatized at all, anywhere, no matter where you live, because it is something natural in that you experience stress. Stress is inevitable. But if you don't take care of it, it could lead to so many other things and exacerbate mental illness. It can bring on disease. And most of doctor's visits, up to 90% of doctor's visits are stress-related. That's a lot. (laughs) I can see that. Absolutely. And doctors don't have the time to go get to the root of the problem and talk about lifestyle, talk about work, talk about your stresses. You know, they're not a coach. They're not a therapist. They're a doctor. So what do they do? They end up prescribing something to them without actually getting to the root of the problem and giving tools and strategies on how to adopt a healthy lifestyle, healthy mindset to be able to live a better life and be more in control of your life to be able to cope with stressful situations and anxiety and whatever you may be experiencing. And I think my book, Pause, Breathe, Choose, really has the overarching message is about taking charge of your life so you can live your best life. And a huge part of the book is all about making better choices to manage stress and build resilience. And I think that's really key. And it starts with mindfulness. You have to be mindful to even know that you're feeling stress or anxiety or you're depressed. And if not, you might think that that is normal or you might just be on autopilot and you won't know to even take that pause in the middle of your day, to take a breath, to make better choices. Hey there, my friend. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. If you haven't gathered by now, I love empowering entrepreneurs with the systems, support, and community to work smarter instead of harder. So today I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com forward slash connect to find a 
huge list of resources and ways that you can connect with me and my community. Remember, it's not about being everywhere, but it's about being in the best place for our business at the right time. Again, head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash connect to see the whole list of ways that you can connect with me and other members of the positive productivity community. Now let's get back to today's episode. I'm going to be a health advocate here for a moment. And I love the word choose Mm -hmm. because in 2018 or 2019, I chose to get a new primary care physician. And the podcast launched in 2016. So I started hearing people talk about holistic health practitioners. Well, I, I couldn't find one in my area, or at least they weren't professing themselves as, as such, and they're not covered by my health insurance. So when I showed up the new PCP's office, I expected to be in and out in 15 mm-hmm. minutes. Like, get in. What's wrong? Let me treat your symptoms and get out of my face so I can go charge the next <laughs> client. Yeah, that's typically how it is. Unfortunately, that's what a lot of us experience. And he came in and he sat down and he said, tell me about yourself. And I remember explicitly like pulling my head back in my chair and sitting up and being like, what? And I said that to him. I was like, what? He's like, well, I like to know my patients. Wow. And I said, are you serious? Like, (laughs) and I didn't mean to be cynical on him. He's like, yeah, I don't want to treat the symptoms. I want to get to the underlying causes. Amazing. We need more people like that, more doctors like that. Absolutely. So I want to say to the listeners, if you're not getting the care that you deserve, you have the right to choose to go elsewhere. Absolutely. I mean, just call your insurance company and find out who else you can go to or shop around. Go Mm -hmm. on social media and ask who other people like. And at the end of 2019, I was dealing with an exceptionally difficult client and dealing with major anxiety as a result. And I went into that same doctor and I wanted to get something, a a drug for anxiety. Mm -hmm. And he sent me home with a prescription for 30 minutes of exercise a day. I love it. I had a feeling he was going to do that or or like meditation or something. That's, That's like the best prescription. Yeah. At first, I have to admit, I was a little bit irritated because I was already like anxious and stressed and had too much on my plate. But then I realized I really don't want a drug Mm -hmm. because I'm a creative and drugs of that sort make my mind blink. So I loved it. And I've thanked him since. Well, I consider exercise and meditation a drug. That is a drug of my choice because it makes me very happy (laughs) and it really does. It's just a natural high. And I call it my medicine. I mean, earlier in the, you know, in this conversation, I said that yoga and meditation is my medicine and it it truly is. Absolutely. Yeah. I need to be better at exercising. Actually. (laughs) Okay. Listeners, if you've been around a while, you know, I'm totally transparent. I started seeing a therapist yesterday. And one of the things that he said is he says, I want you to take the word need out of your vocabulary and start saying will instead of need. Mm-hmm. That's much more empowering. Yeah, absolutely. And we were talking about past therapists. I love that we're talking about mental health here and, and eliminating the stigma just in this episode alone. He said, what has worked and what has not worked if you've had previous therapists? And what I said to him was, well, they never asked about sleep. Mm-hmm. I said, I... I need you to keep me accountable for sleep. He said, okay. That's wonderful. Sleep is just, I mean, like we talked about in the beginning, it is so essential to your well-being. Yeah. 
And then he even said, well, what about exercise? And that's when I said, well, I need to exercise more. And he says, you mean you will? It's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he taught you. Held yeah. you accountable right there. Yeah. Yep. And the same goes there. I mean, if you have a therapist even who's not helping you get to the root cause, then you have the right to look around. Mm-hmm. And then going back to pause and breathe and choose, pause and breathe. When you give yourself that break, and I, I love everything about the title just by itself. And full disclosure, I started reading the book. I haven't finished. And it's not because I don't love it. I just have five kids who are distracting me. Oh, wow. So I'm going <laughs> to no keep problem. on reading it. Like it's right next to me. So just the, when I've given myself the chance to pause and to breathe. Oh, I remember the question that I was going to ask you earlier. Anyway, the answers usually come and I can see everything with more clarity because I know that for me and for a lot of my entrepreneurial friends, we're often way too close to everything mm-hmm. to be able to see the big picture and realize that we are trying to smush way too much in this little grid box. Whereas if we just step back and look at the whole map, we could take all these little activities that we're trying to smush into this one box and spread it out over a year and not feel so anxious. The question I was going to ask you, and this might to some people seem like it has an obvious answer is how do you suggest to clients and acquaintances that they begin with that check-in? Because things like setting up a reminder on my phone, while it may seem obvious, sometimes go over my head, but is that the first step? Like, how would you recommend? Or is it a time on your clock? Like when you notice that it has an 11 or a seven or two to remember to stop and breathe for a second and check your posture? Yeah, I would do notifications either on your phone or if you have an Apple Watch, just some sort of a notification. And I don't want to say exactly how many per day because everyone's different. You know, like if I say every hour, that might be too much, you know, maybe every few hours. So I would play around with what works for you. I don't use notifications because I have already kind of been practicing this for so long that for me, it's about like, When I all of a sudden feel that literally I'm hunched over or my mouth is getting a bit dry. And then when I, one of those triggers, like, or if I'm stuck in a thought or something, one of my senses is kind of stuck in, in gear, I would say, I then do the rapid fire to check in with all of my senses at that time. So that could also work for you, for listeners as well, is if you notice one thing that you're thinking too much or you're thirsty or you're hunched over, then just do the check-in for all the different senses to check in everywhere. Now, if that's a little bit too much, like, you know, you have to really have a strong mindfulness practice to be mindful of how you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're doing, then to start using notifications. I love that. I was listening, I think it was a podcast of Brendan Burchard's once, and he was talking about every time he went through a doorway or switched tasks, he had his release method. Mm-hmm. And I tried for one day that every time I would go through a door, I would use the release. Mm-hmm. And that was way too much. I didn't realize yeah. how many doors, like even <laughs> there's not that many doorways in my house. It's from my office to the main room and into the bathroom, basically. But I'd never realized even just how much some days I pass through doors. And on that day, I guess I was doing it a lot. <laughs> well, you noticed it a lot. It probably was the same as you were always, but you were mindful of how often you were because you wanted to do something at that time. And so you're mindful of it, right? Absolutely. But then even task switching, I am no doubt a multi-passionate entrepreneur who tends to work on more than I should. 
in mm-hmm. any given day. Mm-hmm. So for task switching, like that one lost me within a half hour, <laughs> but it also made me a lot more aware of how much I was task switching. Mm-hmm. So then I, I mean, it's been a slow evolution of Kim of being more aware of what I'm working on and when and choosing, do I really want to work on all of this or do I want to work on more or on less at a higher quality instead of more at a lesser quality? Mm -hmm. Can we go back to the dream that you had with Steve Jobs for a quick moment? Sure. Was there anything going on at that time when you had the dream that you think may have led to the dream actually happening? I was actually in my training for neuro-linguistic programming. It was an intense in-person training every weekend. Well, Friday through Sunday from, it was like 8 to 6 p.m., just intense training. It was NLP Marin in California. And so it was one of those nights that I was in the training. And the next day, I remember coming to class and thinking wow, that was like really intense. And I actually went to the front of the room and had the teacher do some NLP magic on me about that dream and about writing the book. And, you know, of course, my inner critic was like, I can't write a book. I'm not a writer. I don't have the time. I can't do this, but I need to because I feel compelled that Steve appeared in this dream. And so that training, the NLP training, I think really helped me boost my confidence and just get me started because I did start at that time. And I'm not sure if I were in that training and I could actually express and process that dream, especially in front of the whole class and with my teacher who I respect very much so. And he kind of helped me through it. And it was the first time I had actually gone in front of the class to share something so personal. And so I think that really helped If you don't mind me asking, how old were you? It was in my mid-30s. Okay. I love that you said that just because I was approaching 30 when I first started real, first got my first nibble at mindfulness Mm -hmm. and mindset, but it wasn't really until my mid to late 30s that I began to understand more. And I'm 42 now, just need to put it out there. And I'm still learning a lot. What makes me sad about that, though, is that I wish that this had been a part of curriculum. But as we already talked about back in the 80s and 90s, there was a stigma attached to mental health. And I don't want to say mental illness because that doesn't seem quite fair, Mm -hmm. but anxiety, depression, all of the sort. But as a mom of five, I mean, my kids range from six-year-old twins who are in kindergarten to a senior who's 18. Amazing. Yeah. Some days I'm... Okay, most of the parenting falls on my husband. Just need to put it out there. But I want to see... Are you just saying that because he's in no. the room with you? <laughs> no, it's it's absolutely the truth. Okay. I don't cook, Naz. I burn. Uh-huh. So he handles all the cooking, like all of it. Wow. 99.9% of the house cleaning. The kids will run past me to go to him for something. Wow. Okay. But (laughs) what I want is for my kids, especially the younger ones, because I've been trying to teach the older ones mindfulness, but I want it to be part of their curriculum in school. Mm -hmm. Mindfulness studies, like Um, introduced in elementary and middle school. That would be so beneficial for kids and for teachers and for everyone to start young. I actually, I've already thought about this when I have my kids, how I'm going to just incorporate it into our life. I mean, I can't control what happens in the school, although I would love to like start an initiative or some curriculum, like you're saying, but I, I think it starts at home too. Like it does, and we don't need to leave it up to the school. It'd be great to have it in the school, but I think it also 
definitely can start at home. And especially when the kids are having a tantrum or just getting bent out of shape and, you know, hearing about the terrible twos and having tantrums, just having a pause. I know a lot of parents have time out. Time out is essentially a pause. That is a pause, but then let's take it a step further and not just go send the kid in a in a corner or in their room for time out, but let's breathe together. Let's slow down the heart rate and your breath and deepen that breath and not let the kid just cry it out, but actually control the breath and calm the child down through the pause and the breath and continue breathing. And then have the child choose what they want to do next. So empower, just basically implement pause, breathe, choose from an early age and see what happens. Yes, absolutely. I'm looking at my 18-year-old. So he's graduating in the next month or so. Congratulations. Thank you. A year or two ago, when he was starting to think about college, I asked him what he wanted to go into. Mm -hmm. And he said accounting. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, tell me why. And he said, well, because I heard they make good money. I said, okay, let's just stop for a second. Are you really interested in looking at numbers all day? No, not really. I said, Mm -hmm. okay, so what would you be interested in doing? I want to create computer components. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, why don't you do that then? He's like, I can do that. It's like, yeah, don't choose things based on money. Right. So now he's going, he got accepted to Ohio University, basically a full ride into the computer engineering program. Great. He must be happy. Oh, I'm thrilled. And Mm -hmm. he's paying for anything that, you know, isn't covered out of his pocket. Mm -hmm. But that's also been something that has been taught to him is, you know, okay, we're still working on that. He might be 18, but we're still working on that. The effort that you put in will come out in results. Mm -hmm. Right. So Yes, we understand that you're a gamer and you love it and you're part of an esports team, but it's putting all your focus there mm-hmm. going to get you the results that you want mm-hmm. and the job that you want. So when it comes to the younger kids, I think, okay, now sometimes I forget which child I had which conversation with, full disclosure. <laughs> no worries. I believe that with one of the youngers, I've had a conversation about, okay, just stop and take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. It needs to happen more. Just stop and take a deep breath. Right. I told my husband once to stop shooting on himself. Should S H O L D. Yep. I wrote an article about that. Stop shooting. Yes, definitely. I totally agree with that. And he looked at me out of surprise and he's like, What? Did you just tell me to stop on myself? I was like, No, I said stop shooting. Yeah. I still should on myself. Yeah. I know. That's another thing to be mindful of saying Mm -hmm. good or having not even just saying it, but having that mindset of should, should, you know, I should work out. I should, you know, get up earlier and do X, Y, and Z. I should, should, should. And it's similar to like not saying I need, but I will, right? It's just empowering a, a, a different mindset shift to empower yourself more rather than coming from a disempowered state. The therapist yesterday joked about how we were bringing Yoda into our session. <laughs> and I absolutely feel like we all need to embrace our inner Yoda. Yeah, definitely. Get rid of the shoulds, get rid of the tries, get rid, rid of the needs. But how do you do that? The step is through being more mindful. Because if we're not mindful, we're just 
going through life on autopilot or just even not on autopilot, that could be one way, but also just on the go without pausing and being present. How do you catch yourself in the should or the I needs, need, Mm -hmm. should, if you're not mindful, you could say it a million times without even realizing it. Absolutely. So I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. As a published author who went through a book launch, how have you been more mindful during the process to not be overwhelmed? And I'm sure that there was overwhelm, but not be maximum overwhelmed and and how to be more mindful on quality over quantity. That's an excellent question. And I was actually talking to a good friend of mine on the phone the other day who she was asking, how has this launch gone? How's everything? How's life? And I was just telling her everything. She's like, wow, that's a lot. What are you doing for yourself? You know, how are you not super stressed or burnt out by now? And, you know, my answer to that is that my morning routine of meditation and movement is really what has basically propelled me, energized me, fueled me to have my longer days because I am working longer hours now, but it's quality work because I'm starting my day with so much energy and in a place that I feel empowered, not like, oh, I got to roll out of bed and do this and this and this. I'm super excited about what I'm doing and I love what I'm doing. I get so much energy from it, but having that self-care as a non-negotiable. It's not like I should, it's I want. I actually need it because I want it so bad. It makes me feel so good. And in that case, it's not that I will, your therapist said, don't say I need, but I will. This is a case that it's a desire of mine that it makes me feel so good to start my day the way I do that it fuels me for the rest of the day. And that is what prevents me from experiencing burnout. But, you know, stress is inevitable. I couldn't say I don't feel any stress ever, even though I teach stress management workshops all week long, but it's about how you manage it and how you cope with it. And because I have a very strong and deep resilience reserve, I am able to kind of face the challenge as an opportunity, as something that energizes me rather than drain me, if that makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. And I know there's positive stress as well as negative stress. So it's just being aware and and adapting and being resilient. Mm -hmm. I know, and I apologize, and we can take this out if if you don't want it out there. I know that you're about to make a move and you'll be splitting your time between New York and Miami. How do you see your morning routine changing as a result? And do you think your energy will be affected? It won't be changing. I am staying strong on not giving up that morning routine. I will stick with the morning routine no matter what, even if it means I have to wake up a bit earlier and then go to sleep a bit earlier, but I will always do my morning routine. Now, when I have kids in the future, it might be a different conversation. I might have to be shifting that to a different time. I don't know, but whatever the case, I'm going to do it every day. It's not going to fall by the wayside because that is what energizes me and, and makes me feel good. So why would I sacrifice something that makes me feel good and helps me show up as my best self, as a coach, as a consultant, as a speaker, as a leader, I don't want to sacrifice that. And I never will. I'm sharing more about my therapy session yesterday. Two years ago, we bought a pool pass. Okay. For our town pool. And the whole summer, I never got to the pool with my family because Mm. I chose work and I chose stress over going down there. Mm. And I expressed 
yesterday that I, COVID pending, if they open the pool, I want to go this year. You know, I want to get the pool pass and go with my family. Yeah. And he said, well, you know, you could find a way to do both, you know, just take your computer and hook up to hotspot or Wi-Fi. And I said, but I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. If I'm at the pool with my family, I want to be at the pool with my family. I don't want to be glued to the screen. Right. I mean, I'm in Ohio, so I'm sure that there's pools. Okay. I guess it's irrelevant that I'm in Ohio. I'm sure there's public pools with Wi-Fi set up mm-hmm. so that the parents can take their kids. Kids can play in the pool and the parents can still be working. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to do that. So I'm Thank you for this conversation because I am choosing that we will get that pool pass and I will leave the devices at home except for the phone to take pictures. But Absolutely. you just helped me decide that Tuesdays and Thursdays are going to be pool days. Great. I'm so glad. I mean, it's just a commitment that you make and you stick to it, right? I mean, yeah. it's as easy as that. Like just in this conversation, you made that commitment and you're telling me, you're telling all your listeners, I would share it with your husband to help you be accountable for that. And so go for it, do it and stick to it. I love that. We both work at home. I mean, we're sharing an office and he's a Twitch streamer. Mm-hmm. So he's going to love those Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm sure, because I'll get the kids out of the house. He can stream mm-hmm. and my vitamin D will also love it. Exactly. What are you focusing on for the next 90 days? I know you're moving, but is there anything else in the horizon? Well, I have a lot of speaking engagements with companies on becoming the CEO of your well-being. And I am still in promotion of my book and just the usual clients, my one-on-one clients and corporate wellness programs. But yeah, amidst a move to Miami, which will be happening in a few weeks. And yeah, that's, I mean, I'm looking forward to things opening up and hopefully, again, depending on COVID, but getting back into offices and doing speaking engagements and in person rather than through Zoom. So that has been a big shift during COVID, like everybody experiencing everything through Zoom or video conference. And so I'm looking forward to hopefully in the summer getting back in person if it's safe. I'm an introvert, which surprises a lot of people as far as the podcast goes, but I miss events and speaking as well. I can't wait to get back. And I just want to throw this out there for you, for you're talking about someday when you have kids and for any parents who are listening, the funniest thing, one of the funniest things that's happened in the last couple of months is my kids keep on coming. Well, they're getting older, so they're making friends and their friends want their phone numbers so that they can arrange play dates and everything. So my husband has started giving them my business card mm-hmm. and putting their Roblox username on there or anything. But the kindergarten teacher wrote, I don't know why your son is passing these out. Can you explain <laughs> I'm not trying to solicit, but it's the easiest way for the parents to get our phone number. So Mm -hmm. yes, we should probably add something there. Well, one of the parents, and like I ran into one of the parents on the street and he's he's like, I saw you. I was like, what do you mean you saw me? You saw me pick up the kids from school. He's like, no, I saw you. I saw your business card. And actually my wife wants to hire you for speaking. Oh, wow. (laughs) I'm like, oh, okay. That might be an effective method. (laughs) You know, that's so wonderful because I actually am just thinking now when you shared that story that I haven't shared a business card, an actual physical card, and I can't remember how long. I mean, everything is through just like, oh, give me your email or give me your number or your website, right? I actually, when I was thinking about stuff that I need to move out of this office into my new office... Do I need to even take my business cards? Do we even, are we even in person to hand out business cards? I mean... It's so funny how they're not that as common as before, but you found a way to use them in a a wonderful way. (laughs) 
<laughs> These business cards are six years old. No joke, they're six years old. And now I'm even considering getting some new ones that say so-and-so's mom, you know, one for each kid. That way when <laughs> yeah. they hand them yeah. to the kid and their kid gives it to their parents, then they understand this is why. That's a good way to use them, to be honest. I like that. Well, back in the old days, like 1800s, there were calling cards that people left at people's houses when they stopped to visit. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. They would leave a little note. But anyway, okay, that's going down on a tangent, but I just wanted to throw (laughs) that idea out there. Naz, where can listeners go to learn more about you, connect, follow you, buy your book, and all that awesome stuff? You can find more about me and my book at nazbeheshti.com, N-A-Z-B-E-H-E-S-H-T-I.com. And then my company, my corporate wellness company is pranaz.com, P-R-A-N-A-N-A-Z.com. And then I'm on all social media as Naz Beheshti on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Clubhouse. And then on Facebook, I'm Naz Beheshti Speaker. Naz, I'm so sorry. I've been saying Naz this whole time. And I have to tell you, I grew up in Rochester, New York, where there's Nazareth College. And everybody just called it Naz for short. So I knew it was Naz coming in here, but just old school growing up, it just stuck in my brain. No worries. So I'm so sorry. I'm used to it. No worries at all. Well, I'd love to know, do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can share with listeners? I would love listeners to read my book so that you can take empowered action and and truly become the CEO of your well-being and show up as your best self in all areas of your life. And I would just highly suggest to start today, even if you don't have my book and do one thing that makes you feel happy, energized and fulfilled and do it and just keep doing it and start by one small habit today and build from there. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.